Hi there. Welcome to Next Creator Up. My name is Aaron Prudell. Each week I speak with an emerging or established creator in one of numerous fields to explore their heart, mind, work, and process. Wherever you are in your creative journey, you'll get a number of tips and insights to help you get past your blocks and bring your ideas to life. Hey creators, before we get started, just a quick note. You can receive updates for the show, as well as special offers and exclusive content, including unaired lightning round Q&A by joining Creative Lightning. It's a free newsletter full of little inspirational nuggets that could help you bring your ideas to life. Learn more and sign up at nextcreatorup.com slash creativelightning. John Presnell is a singer-songwriter who composes songs in light and dark tones that range thematically from romantic to political and dramatic to whimsical. In this episode, we discuss John's socially conscious song, Pills, as well as his songs, Life's So Unfair, on which he collaborated with Stefan Rembel, who wrote the theme song to the Grammy-winning soundtrack to Midnight in Paris. We also discuss John's songwriting process, inspirations, and advice to songwriters. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. Without further ado, please welcome our next creator up, John Presnell. John, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm really excited to talk to you, but uh, something I'm really always curious about is why you decided to pursue a creative life, and how did you find your way to music? Uh, on my mother's side of the family, the arts have always been encouraged. My mother was uh, a, a singer when she was younger, and then she became a painter. And uh, other relatives in my family are also musicians and different kinds of artists. So yeah, it's, it's always been around. Uh, so I've been encouraged to be an artist. I uh, started playing the accordion when I was about seven years old and uh, then graduated to other instruments, clarinet, and then later on saxophone. And then I taught myself how to play guitar with a guitar that had been thrown out. And, uh, and then I joined a band and they needed a bass player. And so I learned how to play bass. And uh, so, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's something that I've always done. Gotcha. So when you started playing that guitar, uh, did you need to put new strings on it or you just didn't know at that time? <laughs> yeah, it needed strings and I had to uh, learn how to put on strings and, and how to tune it and, and all of that. And uh, I didn't take lessons. I just found one of those chord charts. And uh, every day after school, I would just apply myself for hours and hours and uh, really, in a short amount of time, I could uh, I could play it pretty well. I think it took me about a month to get the basics down uh, smoothly. Why do you think it took? I mean, some people take a, a lot longer to get that down. What do you think it was about your learning experience with that guitar that you know had you up and running in a month's time? Uh, just my enthusiasm, uh, my intense enthusiasm, and I think I only wanted to learn enough so that I could write. It wasn't my goal to be a virtuoso on the guitar. Really what I wanted to do was write. So I got all the basics down. So, uh, you know, if you hear a solo on one of my songs, uh, that's being played by someone else. Uh, but the song is, is generally written by me. Mm. Um, <clears throat> what was the first song you learned how to play? You know, I am not much for learning other people's songs, but having said that, the first song I learned was All My Lovin' by the Beatles, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I did that to audition for a band. And again, I hadn't been playing the guitar for that long. And, and I think they were really taken by my uh, 
my enthusiasm. So I got into the band, but then it turned out they needed a bass player. So <laughs> I learned how to play the bass. Where, you know, you said that you learned to play so that you can write. Where did this love for, for writing come from and specifically song? Mm. Wow. Uh, you know, all great art has the ability to transport one to somewhere else. And for me, hearing a song, a beautiful song, just takes me to another place. And so I would love to do that for, for the audience. And also for myself, too. That happens in the process of writing you're, oh, and performing. You yourself are also transported. So uh, that was it. You know, I just wanted to emulate my heroes. And they all turned out to be songwriters, most of them at least. Mm. As you started to progress musically uh, and as a writer, uh, what has been your biggest sacrifice that you've had to make in your career thus far? <laughs> I've sacrificed everything. Uh, personal life and financial stability and all of that in the pursuit of my art. It's not an easy thing to do, but I do it for the joy of it. Um, as I mentioned, my mother was a painter. And growing up, my mother used to tell me these stories of uh, Van Gogh and Gauguin and... Uh, the difficult lives they had in pursuit of their art. So it wasn't like I wasn't prepared for this. I kind of knew what I was getting myself into. But, uh, you know, for all the difficulty, there's so much more uh, pleasure in its bed. Right. Was it that you knew you were part of a journey that many artists have taken or, or just pure joy? I mean, how do you stay committed, you know, knowing that there's, you know, a lot of struggle involved often in the artistic life? Because you let the art and the beauty of the art sustain you. That is what gets you through. You know, you're not living a typical life uh, or a um, conventional life. So, uh, you have to rely on other things to help you get through. And uh, just the ability to create, uh, it does something to one. So, yeah. Mm. Uh, you're, you're known for putting on a really uh, wonderful live performances. So I, I'm always curious as someone sometimes uh, myself, I've had uh, some performance anxiety. So I just want to paint a picture and see what it's like. Uh, it's a live performance. Mm -hmm. You're just about to hit the stage. You can hear the crowd. You can feel the energy in the room. What's this like for you? Are you usually present or do you feel anxious? Uh, I'm absolutely present. Absolutely. Uh, and for me, getting up on stage is an act of joyous abandonment. Uh, I don't get nervous. I've been doing this for so long that that is uh, you know, out of the picture for me. So uh, I just focus on the words and try to get my message across, you know, as if I'm trying to uh, convince somebody of something. Uh, my aunt, who was a classical singer, used to say to me, let the music enchant you and you will enchant the audience. So if a song has an intro, I just, I just let the music wash over me and it affects me. And then I kind of laser beam that out to the audience. So I'd like to talk about a little bit, uh, a few of your songs. Uh, your songs, Life's So Unfair, is sung with such a sweet sorrow, like a romantic hopelessness. Mm -hmm. uh, it's expressed in its tone, musically, and in the lyrics as well. Uh, and towards the end of the song, you have a line, I'm madly in love with a woman who is totally nuts, 
but I can't help feel, <laughs> or I can't help the way that I feel. Life's so unfair. Uh, you know, what is the inspiration for this song? It comes from my observation that not everyone has the same uh, endowment of life force. The chorus of the song, um, some people laugh when caught in the rain, while for others a cloud brings unbearable pain. No one is equal, all things are the same. Life is an interesting game. Uh, so that part about uh, no one is equal, yeah, not everyone has the same uh, endowment of life force. Some people could take on a lot of loss, a lot of sorrow, and bounce back. And there are other people who have lived completely privileged, easy lives, and one thing comes along and they're destroyed by it. And I think that's fascinating that... Uh, some people can can roll with it and other people can't. So that's what that's about. Mm. You know, you mentioned a little earlier, and I know you collaborated uh, on on the song and your upcoming album. I'm really interested since, you know, you learn to play, like you said, to write. So your passion is in the songs that you're writing. Yeah. Is it just now a natural fit for you to find the right collaborator for each of your projects? Um, yeah. In some cases, uh, for example, Fair Game, the, the EP I released in uh, 2017, uh, that is with Stefan Rombel, who most people might know is the guy who wrote the theme to Midnight in Paris. Before writing the songs for that, I was listening to a lot of jazz, in particular uh, gypsy jazz guitarist Django Reinhardt. So I knew I wanted that in... Uh, in the music. So I just, I reached out to him and, and, you know, he dug what I was writing and said, yeah, let's, uh, let's do this. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I have an idea of what I want to do and then I, yeah, I go out and I look for the collaborators that I think would be right. The musicians, basically, I generally mm -hmm. do all the writing, but, uh, you know, the, the right of the musicians, uh, bring a quality to it. I, I kind of look at it like a coloring book. The songwriter is the person who creates the picture and the musicians are the crayons that give it a certain uh, tone. Hmm. Uh, I, I'd like to ask you to kind of give a little backdrop for your song Pills, as I want to ask a couple of uh, questions uh, around that. Um, mm -hmm. So for those who haven't heard it, and there will be links uh, so that everyone can not only see the video, but listen to Pills, can you kind of give an idea of what the song is about uh, and, and its, its, its feel? Well, you know, it's rare the person who's not taken pills. I mean, both uh, we have legal and illegal forces pushing all kinds of drugs on us. I mean, it's everywhere. It's in advertising. It's in, I mean, you can't, you can't avoid it. So uh, I just, uh, I want to comment about it. I didn't see that uh, too many other people were writing about it. And I thought this is, this is a timely issue. And I wanted to discuss it. So I did. So when I hear a song like Pills, it feels so assured and confident, right? I mean, it makes a statement. Uh, do you feel, uh, as a writer uh, of songs, that you've found your voice as an artist? Yeah, but it took me a long time to get there. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Trial and error, you eventually find your voice. You just have to keep at it. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel pretty sure that I, I know how to say what I want to say. Mm. Well, when was that 
turning point for you? Do you do you have do you specifically remember when it was where you kind of it just clicked and it felt like you know I've had my last error and on in my trials and I've kind of found this is this is what I want to say. Yeah, that's a great question. I remember that. I remember that time when it happened. Um, the music I listened to growing up, a lot of it was it was informed by uh by drugs uh not not my taking drugs let's make that clear but the music that i was listening to you know i mean a lot of it was psychedelic or certainly had those influences and so in a way uh, those lyrics were they were out there and nonsensical and uh and you know being a kid i didn't you know i thought all right all i need to do is just imitate this but i would find that singing to an audience, they weren't getting what I was saying. And, and so I remember thinking, I remember working on a song and I thought, well, I'm not going to try to be fancy here. I'm just going to say what I have to say, be very direct and conversational in the tone. And, uh, and that's when it clicked for me. I, that's when I decided, wait, I don't need to be informed by, you know, songs with crazy lyrics because that seemed to be you know the thing from the late 60s to i mean i guess it's still going on but it was more pronounced in the uh 70s and the 80s and you know 90s uh i thought no no i'm, I'm gonna break away from this i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say what i mean and i'm not gonna do it in any fancy way and if i'm gonna be poetic i'm gonna be clear in my poetry so that you get it when you think back to those early songs from the 40s and the 50s, um, you didn't. The, the lyric writing was so straightforward that you weren't taken out of the song to think, hmm, what were they trying to say? You got it as it was being sung. And uh, so I'd like to, I, I think I, I'd like to hearken back to that period in, in uh, songwriting. Not that the sentiments are the same. Things have changed. So... I try to keep my sentiments and, and the things I sing about uh, relegated to things today. But, uh, you know, I say it in a way that I think is uh, straightforward and clear. Hmm. How much of your own life is reflected in your work? Not much. I mean, sometimes I'll write about uh, things that have happened to me, but uh, and sometimes I'll I'll just create something from my imagination. Generally, I'm more interested in what's going on around me. I prefer to write about things that are happening. Right. Uh, so, yeah, by and large, it's I'm I'm writing about things that I observe, not so much about myself. Yeah, I, you see it in a song specifically like Pills. You know, it's socially conscious song, and you're currently in production process of your new LP, World Upside Down, which uh, is a contemporary call to action akin to the protest songs of the 1960s. Mm -hmm. So. I'm curious, since culture is such a big part of uh, where where your music's coming from, if you could change one aspect of our society with your work, what would it be? I'd encourage people to take more responsibility for not only their lives, but for the lives of others. You know, art can be whatever. You know, you can have any kind of message. Uh, it, can be, it could be constructive and it could be destructive. Uh, you know, really, it can be anything. However, uh, 
I think it might be a better world if we took uh, took some responsibility for the messages we put out there. So uh, yeah, to answer your question, I would say I, responsibility. Mm. Uh, in general, this gets at the root of a larger question: the role of the artist in society. As you said, you know, art art can be about anything. But what do you believe that role is for the artist? I would say I can, you know, you can argue that uh, it's an artist world and we just live in it from the shirt you're wearing to the car you're driving. Somebody's designed it. There's art everywhere. So art exerts an enormous influence on people. Um, People often say that art reflects society, which I think is true. But I also think society reflects art. Uh, I mean, just think about, uh, you know, how much drugs have been celebrated in music, you know, starting from about the mid sixties forward. And now we live in a pretty druggy society. Is this something that keeps you motivated? The fact that art, you know, can, you know, cause some change and the fact that people, you know, can find that art and potentially you, you can be a part of that change. Sure. I mean, we all have to take responsibility for uh, for the world we live in. So, yeah, that's that's certainly something that keeps me motivated. Um, I mean, I, I also like to uh, just create beautiful things. Uh, but that's also part of my contribution, you know, contributing some beauty or some humor uh, to the world and, and hopefully messages that can help elevate uh, the consciousness of people. We live in an interesting time. On one hand, we have unlimited access to knowledge and ideas, but on the other hand, the same convenience comes at the cost of our attention. So I know from us setting up this interview that you uh, have consciously decided to live a simple life and remove most technologies, such as a computer and TV, from your life. In fact, we're recording from a a friend's private gym. and uh, I, I take it you're down in the uh, the basement room or something like that right now because they've got yeah. music for everyone working out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I'm in the basement of a private gym, and yeah, there's music playing upstairs while people <laughs> being trained in working out. Uh, about ten years ago, I got rid of my TV, my computer, and even my landline. Uh, I just uh, just don't need the distraction. You know, if I need to find something out, I'll find it out. But uh, I don't even want the temptation of any distraction. So it's it's that simple. You know, we live in times that are full of distractions. And uh, and I live in New York City. And that that's something you have to overcome all the time. There's nonstop distractions here. So I didn't even need more distractions at home. And I got rid of all of that stuff. Yeah, walking down the New York street is akin to watching uh, TV sometimes in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Do you remember the specific time when you just, you, you made that decision? What, you know, was it something that was kind of slowly building and then there was a catalyst or you just, it, you're, it was enough, you, you, you weren't, you didn't have the time to, or the attention to do the work you wanted to do? Um, I think I just recognized ahead of time, this is going to be a big distraction. It, I mean, I already wasn't using a computer that much to begin with, but uh, I think once I got the notion that I was going to become dependent on it, uh, I thought, no way, man. So 
you know, writing songs, I don't do that stuff on computer. I do it by hand. I write on a, on a notepad and, you know, I'll use a tape recorder to record my ideas. Um, you know, the old fashioned stuff. And that's a, and it's a good thing about my songwriting. I mean, I can play it on a guitar. I don't need to have, uh, you know, other things accompanying it necessarily. I don't mm. as a, as a kind of crutch. You know, there's some people who cannot reproduce a song without a computer. And uh, even though the project I'm using, uh, you, uh, I'm doing right now is using program beats and uh, samples and all that stuff, some, something very different from what I've done before, I can nevertheless play the song on an acoustic guitar and you get it. Right. I'm curious as, I mean, the... the a little bit about attention and creativity. The internet has the magic to, of course, you know, help with the consumption phase. You know, I talk to obviously a lot of creators and a big part of their creative process is consuming uh, different types of ideas and content, which, you know, help inspire uh, their work. Do you find that, do you have other ways for the consumption phase or the gathering phase, if you will, for your ideas, uh, if, if you're not kind of plugged in as much? Well, even if you're plugged in, remember, you're going to get, uh, what is it called? It's called a um, echo chamber, you know, where you'll be, your ideas will already be reinforced. I mean, isn't the algorithms of YouTube, for example, sees what you like, and we'll feed that to you. So, you know, you're, you're only going to end up with the stuff that you're already interested in. Uh, for me, I mean, I try to take in as much as possible. I mean, I, I meet all kinds of people. I listen to all kinds of points of view. I read voraciously, so I'm taking in all kinds of points of view. So it's not like I'm being deprived of information, not at all. In fact, quite the opposite, because unlike uh, some sort of uh, Again, echo chamber, I'm not getting uh, my ideas reinforced with more of the same. You know, I'm looking for as many points of view as possible. Mm. Uh, that's really interesting. I, I like that. Can you walk me through your creative process from idea to finished song? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's changed. I think most uh, beginning songwriters, the melody comes first, and then you try to fashion the words to the melody, um, that's actually more difficult than having the concept, the thing that you want to communicate, and then fashioning the music to that. So I will get an idea for something that I want to sing about, communicate to an audience, and, uh, and really the music comes together quickly. It's better that way. I, I lead now with the words. It doesn't mean necessarily that I'll write the words first and then try to find a melody to fit the words. But once I get the concept, it, it comes together very quickly. Uh, I, I, it's very rare now that I, I do it the way I did when I started, which is come up with a melody and then try to find words. In fact, if I get the concept, I, could, I can almost hear the music that would accompany that concept. Mm. Who's influenced you musically? Um, I mean, I'm influenced by all sorts of things. 
uh, in a way, it's like, who hasn't influenced me? I listen to so much music and have growing up. And, you know, there's even things to learn, like what not to do uh, as a songwriter. I do know that, like, if I get a little, if I, I'm a little too much along the lines of pop songwriting and, and it, it starts to look like it's going to become formulaic for me, then I will listen to some completely different genre uh, to kind of free me up. I listen to a lot of jazz and I'm not a jazz songwriter, but those melodies, those improvisations are all over the place. And that has uh, the effect of freeing me up so that I can come back to the kinds of songs I write and not be locked into a particular genre. So, I mean, I listen to as much as I can from all over the place, not just jazz. I listen to a lot of music from around the world. Uh, and I listen to classical and I love film soundtracks. And I mean, I listen to a lot of stuff. Is there a particular artist, though, that you perhaps have pulled the most from personally? Um, I, I know that uh, a lot of creatives that I talk to, um, you know, become, uh, you know, fans. Obviously, jazz as a, a genre is something you've pulled a lot of, but is there a particular artist that you have? pulled uh you know technique or ideas or even inspiration from yeah frank sinatra um he was singing some fantastic songs and those writers were masters and they understood the art of writing a lyric which is that the listener gets it clearly and the first time they hear it as for frank sinatra as a singer his diction his pronunciation was clear so you got it so all of this is in service to making the message clear so you know frank sinatra sang the songs of cole porter and johnny mercer and i mean you know what's referred to as the um the great american songbook yeah i mean and it's, it's called that for a reason because those songs are just that p period in songwriting is um is just so well done I mean, everything about it, the music and the lyrics. And, you know, the early rock and roll is informed by that stuff. That's why you understand what Elvis Presley's singing about and what the early Beatles were singing about. Uh, that's why those songs from the 50s and really up until the mid-60s, prior to the, the event of, like, drugs influencing writing, uh, those, that, that's why those songs are so easy to relate to. Is there a particular Sinatra song that you gravitate towards most regularly? No, I mean, uh, I love the album Songs for Swinging Lovers. I mean, that's just, the songs are so, so joyous and uh, and the lyrics are so clever. So that album uh, is uh, is probably my favorite Frank Sinatra album. But there's no particular song by Frank Sinatra. I mean, uh, that that album. But uh, I mean, man, you know, he, all his all his hits are just terrific songs. So, mm. uh, so you're you've been an artist since you said seven years old, and growing and growing and growing in your craft, and you've you've found your voice. Mm. And you've collaborated with uh, so many uh, amazing creative people. Yeah. yeah, but I, I, I wasn't to, to interrupt you for a second. I wasn't yeah. always a uh, a musician, though. I had uh, I had a little bit of a diversion there. Uh, in the in the eighties, there was a movie, and I think 
a TV show in the 80s or 90s called Fame. And uh, it was about an art high school. And I went there. And um, so I majored in saxophone. And, uh, you know, you had dancers there and actors and painters and you know, musicians. And um, as it turned out, the father of a good friend of mine in high school uh, is a teacher at Juilliard. And he's taught the likes of Meryl Streep and Christopher Reeve and Robin Williams and Kevin Kline and Val Kilmer. The list goes on and on, the amount of actors that he taught that went on to have successful careers. Anyway, sometime in high school, he pulled me aside and said, you know, you have the temperament of an actor and I think you should study. And uh, so he set me up, even as a teenager, he set me up with acting lessons. And um, my first audition resulted in my getting flown out to Hollywood for a screen test. And when I came back to New York, I got representation immediately. And so for a number of years, I was an actor. I had stuff on TV, um, but the thing I learned is that you really have to love what you're doing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of attendant insanity for any profession you're involved in. So if you love something, you will happily go through it. But if you don't love something, uh, you know, it's torture. And so I realized after a, a number of years involved in acting that it wasn't for me. You know, I, I would read screenplays and think, you know, I don't like this writing. And in fact, I think I could do better than this. And I hadn't even written at that point, but I already knew that I had something to say. And so, uh, you know, I returned to, to music. I left that behind. And, uh, you know, and it took me a long time to learn how to do my craft, how to, uh, how to how to sing, how to write a song, how to write a lyric, how to run a band, how to perform, all those things took years. But, you know, and it's been a difficult life, you know, but I enjoy it. So I'll happily go through it. Mm. Uh, all along the way there, and, and you had, like you said, a stopover in another, you know, uh, prime creative uh, profession. Who is the most creative person that you've ever known? Um, going back to high school, uh, I think probably one of the reasons I was, uh, easily influenced to go into acting was because I was surrounded by all these great musicians and it was intimidating. There was this kid I knew in high school who, I mean, at the age of 15, he could write an incredible song. And, uh, so he taught me, even though I was learning how to play guitar, he, he, he would tell me, look, these are the ingredients of, of a song you have, you know, generally speaking, you have your introduction and you have your verse and then you have a pre-chorus and then you have the chorus and then you have the bridge. And he showed me that songwriting had component parts. And once you get those rules down and you, you know, you, you can, you can predict what a song should do or what it can do. And once you get those rules down, then, then of course you can have fun and by breaking those rules and saying, well, look, although it should be this, why don't we try this? This will be more fun. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that person from high school really, uh, exerted, a an enormous, enormous influence on me. Mm. 
Is that part of the joy for songwriting for you is, is breaking some of the conventions or rules? Uh, it depends on the song, you know, every song is its own thing. So, uh, sometimes you really do have to adhere to the rules. Uh, and then other times it's kind of, you know, up for grabs. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely part of the joy of it. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense. Each, each piece is different. And I suppose that's part of the uh, trial and error process uh, of each song is finding out when it makes the most sense to, to break the rule. I mean, do you find that it's often a happy accident? Or do you have kind of an instinct of, you know, I think this might work if I break it? Oh, it's both. It's both. You know, if you look at uh, my song, Life's So Unfair, that's fairly... Uh, that's fairly conventional in terms of its uh, its form. You have a an introduction, and then you have a verse, and then uh, you have a chorus, and you know. But you listen to Pills, and pff, that song's a free for all. It's not uh, predictable what it's going to do next, and I think that's appropriate for the subject matter. Mm. Is there a skill that you'd like to hone or a strength that you'd like to foster to better yourself as an artist? Yeah, I would love to learn how to produce. Um, I guess that's kind of akin to like the actor saying, I want to direct. Um, I think I'd love to be able to produce. And what I'm doing in the studio right now, I'm really learning a lot from the producer I'm working with. Uh, that is a whole other world unto itself with a whole other set of skills. And uh, yeah, I, I would certainly love to be able to do that sometime down the road as it is. I mean, again, I don't own a computer, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's not something I could start doing right away. That That is a big world to get into. And right now, production, I mean, you know, and, and I'm still passionate about writing songs and, and, and saying the things I want to say. So uh, I think eventually I'll get around to production, but for now I'm, I'm, I'm very happy writing the songs and then, you know, giving them to a producer and going, Hey, what can you make of this? You know, what do you think? What do you think? You know, I mean, not that I don't have a shortage of ideas like here, why don't we put this in here and why don't we do have the bass do this? But uh, it's, it's always a pleasant surprise when a producer suggests something that you weren't thinking of. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to someone who wanted to be a songwriter or a musician? Keep at it. Uh, nothing worthwhile comes easily. Uh, you know, it took me a long time to, uh, to hone my craft. So don't get frustrated. You know, remember, we're, we're, there's a joy in creating. Uh, so, you know, eventually you're going to get to be good. I mean, sometimes some people are good right out of the gate, you know, kind of like a beginner's luck, but, um, and we see this all the time with one hit wonders, but their one hit wonders for a reason is that they might've gotten lucky in the beginning, but then they don't have the technique to keep on, uh, keep on writing good songs. So, uh, you know, there's something to be said about being under the radar as an artist and not being recognized until you really have your craft down until, you know, you have those, ex that experience under your belt, but keep at it. You know, everything, uh, you just get better, uh, the more you do something. So that's what I would say. Don't get frustrated. Just, uh, have fun and, and carry on. 
our goal with Next Creator Up is to share good creative work. Mm -hmm. uh, so with this in mind, what is something that you feel is very shareworthy? Now, it doesn't necessarily need to be a song or an album. It could be a film, an app, uh, some cool tool or even product. Um, is there something that comes to mind that's just highly shareable for you? The 2006 German film, The Lives of Others, springs to mind. That's a powerful film. I recommend everyone see it. Uh, it takes place during the Cold War, and it's about uh, the East German secret police known as the Stasi. And um, it shows that... Uh, that there can be humanity and empathy for the people in a uh, oppressive institution or part of an uh, oppressive institution, and that there's hope uh, for uh, for evil to to be defeated. I think that's a great film, definitely worth watching. Hey, everybody! Before we get into our lightning round, just a quick announcement. Did you know that we record additional lightning round questions with every guest who comes on the show? It's unaired and exclusive for our Creative Lightning newsletter subscribers. These quick Q&As were designed to elicit actionable insights to help spark your imagination and propel you beyond your creative blocks. We uncover favorite resources and books and tackle issues relevant to all creators such as how do you stay motivated when it's hard? How do you generate your best ideas? How do you know when an idea is the right idea? What do you do when you are creatively blocked? To get our guests' answers to these questions and more, join the free email list at nextcreatorup.com slash creativelightning. And now, on with the lightning round. How do you define creativity? Uh, the need or the desire to communicate. Uh, that is creativity. Uh, and uh, furthermore, art is the quality of communication. Uh, so it could be direct, let's say like a uh, portrait from the Renaissance era, or it can be inferred like a uh, abstract expressionist painting. But uh, to define creativity, it's the desire to communicate. What's the most important part of your creative routine? Um, the completion of something completing something. I like to finish what I start and it could be anything, not just a song. I mean, it could be a book, it could be a routine, but the completion of something, there's a great feeling in having finished something. Do you have more than one song you're working on at a particular time or do you just focus on one and then get that sense of completion? Uh, there's sometimes multiple songs I'm working on, but I try to keep it to no more than three. And generally, I like to just focus on one till it's done. But sometimes you just you hit a block and you put your attention on a th another song. Uh, and then somehow having your attention off of the song that you're having difficulty frees up whatever needs to be freed up in your mind and then you come back to it fresh uh and then you know but i don't I, I try not to again i try not to distract myself with too much going on so it's rare that i'm working on more than one song but sometimes again if i get stuck it'll be two or three at the same time that i'm working on how do you think one can expand one's creative mind and abilities Take in as many points of view as possible. Listen to what people have to say. Uh, watch what people are doing. 
take it all in, you know, that's, I mean, that's the beauty of life that there's so many different points of views. So that'll certainly expand your creativity. How do you know when an idea is the right idea? Mm. When it is easy to condense into a few words. Mm. Other than that, you just have a knowingness like, oh, I know. That's it. I got it. Mm. What is the most helpful thing you've learned or useful skill you've developed in your career? Uh, don't take it all so seriously. You know, this is, uh, we're here to enjoy life and, uh, and the people who have fun are the ones who win. So, uh, you know, it's not an easy industry that I'm in and, uh, and I can tell you some stories, but, uh, you know, in the end it's, uh, I don't take it all so seriously. It's part of the game of life. What's something that you do to ignite your creativity and get into a creative zone? Well, the creativity is, it's something, it's always with me. I don't ever have to uh, really struggle uh, to, to create anything. It, it, it comes pretty, uh, pretty easily. But, um, you know, I think John Lennon once said, you know, once you turn that tap on, you know, it's, it's hard to turn it off. Uh, but having said that, I know that there are people who struggle with it and have blocks but uh, no, you know, I just, I love when like maybe I'm observing something and I go, oh, that's, that's perfect to write about. And then the idea is encapsulated in some sort of title. Uh, also, it helps to be uh, very organized. Um, I've, I've written, written or created sketches or have half finished songs that are number I don't know, maybe close to a thousand. And I have, I have them all organized in books and on cassettes and I know how to get to them. You know, I remember something I was taught very young, which is, uh, production is the basis of morale, but in order to be productive, you have to be organized and, you know, just think about a workman and his tools. If his tools are not put back in the same place, uh, you know, and he has to spend time looking for it over here and over there. And, you know, it takes that much longer to get to be productive. So being organized helps a lot. Mm. For me, at least. I mean, I know artists that, I mean, it looks like a tornado hit their place, <laughs> but not mine. <laughs> My place looks like, uh, you know, it's it's pretty organized and pretty clean. Mm. Interesting. So do you, do you believe in being creatively blocked? Uh, I'm, I believe it happens for some people. Absolutely. It, it happens, but, um, you know, and who knows what the reason for it is. You know, I, I think that when you struggle or you desperately want something, you can't have it. But if you're light about something and you're have fun, it, it comes to you easily. So yeah. I, I think that uh, I believe it happens to other people for sure, but uh, it hasn't happened to me yet. You know, I, I don't know. I try to keep it light and have fun, you know, and think mm. about like, what is it that I want to communicate? Hmm. I, I, from talking to you, I get the sense of kind of two really main ideas that, that I see repeating through people's creativity. On one hand, play. 
it seems very joyous for you when you're songwriting, almost like you're playing. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I Um, agree with that. And you know, that's, that even applies to the sad songs. mm -hmm. You know, again, you're, you're communicating something, but that doesn't mean it's not fun in creating that. When I'm feeling unmotivated, it helps me too. Uh, Motivation's not something uh, I have a problem with, uh, but uh, I love to walk. And, uh, you know, I sometimes come up with my best ideas in walking and I will walk for hours. Some of my friends think I'm crazy. I I live in uh, Queens and sometimes I walk from Queens into Manhattan and from Manhattan into Brooklyn, or sometimes I'll walk from Queens to Brooklyn and then from Brooklyn to Manhattan and then walk back to Queens. And I will write a song in those hours that I am walking, uh, or I will have started a song and then I'll just work on it while I'm walking. Uh, walking is a big thing for me and a big thing for my creativity. I just love to mm. do it. So that, that is where you get your best ideas then typically is, would you say while, while walking? No, no, it's just uh, the walking helps me refine it, helps me work on it. You know, some people sit at a desk and I do sit at a desk, but, uh, you know, sometimes I gets a little stale and I need to get up and walk, but it, it's, I'm just using that as the forum to work. It's not where I'm getting necessarily the ideas. It's just some people work at a desk and other people work on the street. And, uh, so, you know, I just love to walk, but I don't necessarily, I can't, I can get ideas while I'm walking, but I use the walking to, to, uh, to work. You know, and so I'll work on a song in my head, or I'll sing it as I'm walking, and I'll work out the uh, I'll work out the lyrics or the melody just as I'm walking. Do you ask yourself? I'm not even quite sure how to phrase this. Something I've been toying with, but like, do you ask yourself questions about your work? You know, like uh, for example, if you're writing a lyric and you're like, do you consciously ask yourself? this is not dramatic enough or, or something like along those lines. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Definitely. You want to catch the listener's ear right off the bat. You know, uh, you you can do that musically, but with a lyric too, especially with a lyric. So yeah, sometimes I think, is this dramatic enough? Does this, is this, does this push a button where a button needs to be pushed? Um, yeah, absolutely. You want to hook your listener by what you have to say. So yeah, I will, I will think what's the most effective way to communicate something. It, is it normally that question just repeated in different parts of the songs? Or do you find yourself having kind of like a checklist of questions, so to speak, that you ask of your work? Yeah, more like a checklist for sure. Uh, or, well, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to keep repeating yourself. I mean, that's what the chorus is for. <laughs> you want the choruses <laughs> to drive the message home. But for the verses, uh, you're telling a story, you know, and, and describing different aspects of it. And the bridge of a song uh, is maybe a, a different point of view that illuminates or, or gives you a different take on the situation that's being sung about. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I... Yeah, I don't necessarily have a checklist like I got to do this. Maybe some songs, but uh, no, you know, you just in the end, I think you're just telling a story, you know. Is there a question that you always ask of your work 
regardless through its creative process? Mm. Uh, well, I mean, does it communicate effectively? So, I mean, I like to run my songs by, by friends and, and say, hey, you know, does this mean anything to you? Are you getting it? You know, because again, works of art are intended for an audience. So you want to be able to communicate effectively. It's not enough just to, to look at it from your point of view. You want to see that other people are getting what you're saying. So, um, yeah, I like to share my work with other people before I say, okay, this is done. Has uh, anyone ever given you any words of inspiration that you would like to pass along to others? Hmm. Um, You know, there was a, there was a book I, I read many years ago called Dreams Into Action. And I think one of the names of the chapters was uh, Everyone is an Unlikely Success. And so people somehow think they have to have certain ingredients in order to succeed uh, when that's not the case at all. Everybody is an unlikely success. You know, beautiful people are unlikely successes for the reason that sometimes people don't think beautiful people are intelligent or what other, you know, baggage people uh, lay at the feet of beautiful people. Um, you know, everyone's an unlikely success and it, it, you don't have to be any particular thing. You don't have to be too much of this and too little of that. And uh, all of that stuff is irrelevant. You know, those are just considerations, you know, and, everyone has a consideration about something. So, uh, you know, I just think anything can happen. So, you know, everyone's an unlikely success and the future's unwritten. So anything could happen. I mean, we're living in a time right now where conventions are being defied. Uh, things that would have never have happened 10 years ago are happening today. So there are no rules to what is successful and who is going to succeed. Who cares about that? You know, the, the joy is in the creating. And, you know, just let the universe take care of the rest. You know, be responsible for your life. And if you're an artist, keep on creating. You know, you never know that when uh, the thing you create is perfect for the time, uh, for the times. That might be your, that might be your, uh, you know, that might be the luck, the timing and the luck for you. Um, John. Thank you so much uh, for being uh, a part of the show. I had uh, an absolute blast uh, talking with you. Um, where where can people uh, learn more about you, find your music, uh, communicate with you? Where, where should they go? Well, you know, I'm not much of a computer person, but uh, so, you know, I'm not up on doing much on social media, even though I do have those things set up. I'm seldom there but i do have a website and uh, i do update it regularly so everything you need to know about uh, what i'm up to uh, and if you want to contact me there just go to uh, johnpresnell.com awesome well thanks again john so much for being a part of the show i really did have a blast i, I appreciate it i did too such a pleasure thank you so much for having me on your show Thanks so much for listening. 
If you're enjoying the show, the best way to support us is by leaving a review on iTunes. This helps us reach a wider audience, which enables us to attract more interesting and inspiring guests for future episodes. And if you want to learn more about today's guests and to find the links and resources we discussed, check out our show notes at nextcreatorup.com and click on the link for this episode.